Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. Do you feel like dog poop after a big hike or workout? Have you ever been so tired after a hike, you can't even get your ass in the shower afterward, and you just go to bed dirty? If that sounds like you, I am here to take away the shame, because I've been there too, and I know it can be fixed. So let's talk about some ways to bounce back faster after a hard hike or workout by making an awesome recovery. So hi, I'm Sarah. This topic actually comes from one of our listeners via Instagram. Listeners handle is wolfmeat at wolfmeathikes.com. So wolfmeat, thank you so much for this awesome topic suggestion. And if you want to see lots of awesome hiking photos, definitely go out there and follow wolfmeat. And if you have topic ideas for the podcast, definitely hit me up. Instagram, I'm always there hanging out. You can also reach me through my website or reply to any of my emails if you're subscribed to our list and get those. I think some of our best episode ideas come from real people like you guys. So Definitely, if you have an idea, hit me. I am eager to hear your suggestions. So this topic comes at a great time for me as well. Um, I'm running a 50K for the first time on Saturday, and I'm already trying... I'm- I'm already thinking ahead to what I'm going to need to do to recover from that because that's a a pretty big run. It's 31 miles. It's 7,000 feet of elevation gain. It's likely going to be somewhat hot in the second half of it. So I also need to be thinking about my recovery and what I'm going to do during, right after, and in the couple of days after. So I've been putting those thoughts together and I thought I would share some of those tips with you. So one question before we dive in, why do we get so tired after a hike? And why are some of us more tired than others? And if you are one of those ones that gets really, really tired and just finds yourself after the hike unable to feed yourself, care for your children, get in the shower, you're laying on the couch binge watching Tiger King while your dog eats your underwear right in front of you, I I totally get it. I've been there. I am a human who at one time really prided myself on just not eating or drinking much on hikes, which now, now that I know what I know, it sounds really strange to me, but I was just like, oh yeah, I don't need that much food. I don't need that much water. I'm fat adapted, blah, blah, blah. I'm so cool. But (laughs) it wasn't cool. It was actually really bad for me. And it was actually getting into ultra running and and, um, really hitting a wall with my training and realizing that fueling is so important and we generally need more fuel than we think we need. And a lot of the tips I'm about to share with you are related to fuel. Whenever you see a topic about recovery, you might think, oh, she's going to tell me to take an ice bath or foam roll. I'd say 90% of what I'm about to share with you actually has to do with food. So food and nutrition and hydration are really, really important things to focus on. And if you haven't really had a very mindful strategy for fueling yourself before, during, and after your hike, 
really listen up because this is going to change your life. It definitely has changed my life. I am now able to come home from a hike and actually function and study and work and cook meals for myself. It really has made a difference in my productivity and in my life. And, and it's also so much better for my body, especially when I'm in training mode and going out five, six days a week. So so tips, let's start with number one, and that is that recovery and preparing for a good recovery really starts during the hike. It starts with what you eat is the number one thing, and also what you drink. So a couple of guidelines for you. If you're a person that heads out on a hike, and you hike for a few hours, and you stop and have a huge lunch, and you then you keep going back to the trailhead, and you don't really eat much in between, I want you to change that pattern. I want you to get used to eating some high-carb snacks every hour. So every 30 to 60 minutes, you're going to put some high-carb snacks in your mouth. What does high carb mean? A good guideline is about 0.4 grams of carb per pound of body weight. That's very, very loosey-goosey, though. You might need much more in some circumstances. For example, if it's really hot, you need more carbs. If it's high altitude, you need more carbs. If you're someone that tends to go hard or you're on an especially hard hike, you need more carbs per pound of body weight. Make sure that when you're consuming your carbs, you're also consuming plenty of water. This is a good time to drink, which is what we're going to talk about next. The drinking, the water will help you absorb the carbs faster so that you can keep, keep that energy on a nice even keel. Is there a certain kind of carbs that work better? Generally, when we're exercising hard, it is the one time when we benefit from simple carbs, the things we kind of avoid in daily life because they might spike our blood sugar. So things like some candy, gels, chews. Um, I'm a big fan of making my own real food, like things like waffles with the syrup mixed inside or cookies. I feel like those things really help to whet my appetite. If you're on a very long hike and you're trying to eat every 30 to 60 minutes, you're going to get tired of eating gels and cat food bars and things that taste like sawdust. So you want a variety of flavors and you want things that are really good. Sometimes I take a Snickers bar or some of those Snickers minis and eat those. They get kind of melty, but even then they're still good. And that's one thing that I really like to eat. And I know I'll eat it even when I don't feel like it. If you have trouble eating that much on a hike, that's okay and that's normal. Don't force it. Um, just eat what you can, drink some water, and keep moving on. It's The most important thing is to eat something and just to keep that eating and that energy steady. As you get more accustomed to eating while you hike, you might find that you can eat more. Some people still really struggle and never quite get to the point where they could eat what would be ideal. Just eat what you can. That's the most important thing. Another thing you need to keep doing is drinking. Dehydration is one of the things that makes you really tired during the hike and after the hike. The best guideline to follow is to drink when you're thirsty. Anytime you feel a little bit of thirst coming on, have a sip of water. This is easier to do if you have some kind of hydration system, um, a bladder with a hose, but you can also do it with bottles if that's something that you prefer to carry. Now, an exception to this rule is some people just have a really hard time tuning into their thirst. So keep an eye on what you drink next time you're out hiking. And if you're not drinking at least 16 ounces an hour, you may be a person that benefits from a 
bit more structure. So maybe you need to set an alarm to remind you to drink every 20, 30 minutes. Another tip, sipping is better than gulping. So whenever you're consuming fluids, even if you stop every 30 minutes and drink a certain amount of fluid, definitely sip on it. Don't try to pound it all down at once. Take your time. It's not a race. Fluids that you sip are generally absorbed, and they also cause less discomfort to your stomach than if you're trying to drink it like you're at a frat party and you gotta drink like 30 shots in a minute. One final in-hike tip is around sodium. So sodium plays a really important role in our body. It functions as what's called an electrolyte. So it's regulating the movement of water in and out of our cells. It's one reason when you eat really salty foods, some people feel bloated. Sodium holds water in your body. But actually, when you're exercising really hard for many hours, that's kind of a good thing. We want lots of water in the body. It helps us stay hydrated. So, And you actually lose sodium and other electrolytes through your sweat. So it's a good idea, especially if you're going to be out longer than about three hours, to have a strategy to replace them. A good guideline is to replace 300 milligrams of sodium per hour. And most people find that they can do most of that through salty food. If you have a hard time hitting that, consider putting an electrolyte tab in your water. I'll I'll put a link in the show notes to my favorite one. It's called Noon Sports. Or if you're really, really on a long hike and you just want to keep it super minimalist, some people take salt pills. And you want to be a little cautious about doing that. Definitely if you have any kind of medical condition that could be affected by salt check with your doctor, and then check the amount of sodium that's actually in the pill to determine how much to take an hour. So if it's a lot of the pills have about 300 milligrams of sodium per pill, so one an hour, pretty good way to replace your sodium. So this brings us to step number two, and this is what you do right after the hike within the first 15 to 30 minutes. So the first thing I want you to do is to go in your backpack, go straight to your car and eat a snack. (laughs) And this is so crucial. I can't even tell you. It's something that I always knew. They taught us this in high school cross country when I was a kid, but it's something I wasn't doing. Like as a hiker, I was just kind of poo-pooing the importance of it. I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. So here's the thing. During exercise, your body is depleting what's called your glycogen storage. That's your carbohydrate storage. And it's mostly stored in your muscles, some of it's stored in your liver, but it it provides the fast fuel to your muscles. And once it's gone, what happens is you have that feeling like you're hitting the wall. So when you're eating constantly during your hike, you're actually helping to supplement your glycogen stores so you don't burn through them too fast. But on a really long hike, you will burn them down quite a bit and you're not going to feel good and you're not going to be able to really work out or perform effectively again until they're they're replaced back to their, their normal level. So the cool thing is right after exercise for no one knows for sure, but they they think maybe up to about 60 minutes, but definitely within the first 15 to 30 minutes, your body is like insane for carbohydrates. It's going to just be sucking up any sort of carbohydrate you eat and just making it 
just converting it really, really fast back to glycogen. So what you want to do when you get back to your car, have a snack available that's high in carbohydrates. Also, have a little bit of protein available. It can be in the same snack. They can be in separate snacks. That's totally fine. So maybe your carbohydrate is graham crackers and your protein is a little bit of nut butter, peanut butter, almond butter. So if you want to get really technical, you want a four to one ratio of carbs to protein. So more carbs than protein. Carbs and protein both weigh the same. So you can just compare the grams and see if it's approximately there. The other thing you want to do right away when you get back to the car is just Continue your hydration. Keep sipping water. If you've been sweating a lot, definitely consume some salty food. You're going to need to replace both the sodium and the water after a hard hike. And people often wonder, like, how much water should I drink? Again, it's important to really let thirst guide you. Don't force your hydration. But a good guideline is keep sipping pretty steadily in a comfortable pace until your urine is a nice pale yellow color and you feel like you need to pee pretty regularly. Like at least every two to four hours is a good guideline. So step three, this brings us to what you do the rest of the day. So it really is a continuation of what you do right after the hike. You're going to want to keep hydrating. One thing you can do if you're curious that's really interesting is to weigh yourself before your hike and then weigh yourself when you get done. You will actually lose weight. And unfortunately, we all get excited, but it, it's it's not fat. It's actually water that you've lost. And you actually really need to put that back in in order to be healthy and not be tired and not be headachy and not be miserable. And you can actually put back in the exact weight of water that you lost when you were out hiking, which is kind of interesting. Now, if you don't want to bring a scale to the trailhead with you and weigh yourself before and after, that's fine. Like I said, just keep sipping, keep an eye on your urine, how often you need to pee. Within a couple of hours, you can usually get back to normal. And that's one of the things that will help you feel so much better for the rest of the day after your big hike. Another thing to do is just keep eating carbs and also some protein in a four to one ratio if possible. Obviously, sometimes after a big hike, we go and feast with our friends at a restaurant. It's a little bit hard to tell, but just kind of keep in mind more carbs than protein and having a big feast is okay. But if your body just isn't ready for that, you can also just have smaller snacks for the next several hours, keeping in mind that your goal is to really replenish your glycogen stores back to a normal level. And that can actually take up to an entire day, about 20 hours. So keep, if, if you if your hike ends in the evening, continue eating steadily in the morning. If you wake up hungry in the middle of the night, it's totally fine to go and have a snack. Just keep replenishing, replenishing, replenishing for about 24 hours. A lot of people ask if there's something they can do right after the hike that'll help them to prevent delayed onset muscle soreness, which usually comes on maybe in the second day after a hard hike? And the answer is no one really knows. There's nothing that's super well supported by science. You might hear things like take an ice bath, soak in Epsom salts, do foam rolling. Honestly, if any of these things help you, my, my point of view is even if the science isn't necessarily behind it, if it works for you, it feels good, definitely do it. I'm a big fan of the foam rolling. Again, no science really behind that at all, but 
coaches, people who work with athletes have found that these things work for a lot of people. So definitely, if there's something that works for you, keep doing it. So step number four, the next day, what you're going to want to do is, if you feel up to it, some active recovery. Starting late, starting the next day, you might be starting to feel a little bit sore. You might be tired. Muscles might be stiff. When you get out of bed in the morning, you might be walking like you're 90 years old. And all of that is okay. All of that is normal. If you're able Doing some active recovery can really help with that. And what active recovery is, is it's just very, very light exercise. Things like walking, things like pedaling on the exercise bike with very low resistance, or you could ride your bike around your neighborhood with your kids. Just get it doing something that's getting your muscles moving, getting all your blood, your lymph, everything like circulating through, clearing out all the metabolic byproducts and stuff that can make you kind of stiff and and tired. It won't necessarily prevent soreness, but it, it might help to prevent some stiffness. And it also feels good. Those of us who are athletes, who are in training, often mentally have a hard time like really sitting still and resting. So the active recovery, it's very good for our minds too. People often wonder about the muscle soreness that happens. It's the called delayed onset muscle soreness. It usually starts 24 to 48 hours after a big workout. And people have had all kinds of theories about what this means. Is it lactic acid in your muscles? Is it this? Is it that? What? What they think it really is now is just microtrauma. So it's just a bunch of little tears in your muscles that cause inflammation. It can actually feel quite painful and make it hard to move when it's really, really bad. Um, I remember walking up the stairs one time after I climbed a volcano and I wasn't in very good shape. And I literally felt like someone was sticking a knife in the top of each of my quads with each step. It, It just hurt so bad. So what can you do for that? Because it is tied to inflammation, taking anti-inflammatory medications over the counter, things like ibuprofen will take the pain away. However, there is some evidence that that delays the healing of your muscles that actually interferes with the action of something called satellite cells that kind of move around in your muscles and help the other cells heal. So that's not 100% set in stone by science, but it is something that there is some evidence for. So if you can make it through without taking any anti-inflammatories. You don't need the anti-inflammatory for any other reasons. It's probably a good thing. Things that might help, um, massaging, foam rolling, active recovery, just getting out and moving your body is one of the best things. I'm personally a big fan. I don't think this is supported by science either, but it feels so good of the the icy hot that you rub on your muscles and then it makes it cold and burning at the same time. And I kind of got into this living in Asia where like everything is Tiger Bomb. They'll actually like give you a massage with Tiger Bomb and it feels insane, but (laughs) it is very nice for sore muscles. So if you haven't tried that, that's one of my favorite things. And number five, this is just something I want you to watch out for the whole time, and it's called central nervous system fatigue or CNS fatigue. After a really hard workout, our brains and our nervous systems can actually get really overstimulated. And what this can look like is not just physical fatigue, but mental fatigue, having a hard time thinking straight. Often it comes across as feeling irritable, feeling cranky. Some people feel depressed 
ups or downs. Some people get a bit overexcited and antsy. It can also disturb your sleep. This is one reason they tell people not to work out at night too close to your bedtime. Because for some of us, I know this happens to me, I get antsy and then have a hard time falling asleep. It's probably a mild case of the central nervous system fatigue. But after a big hike, this can actually last for a couple of days. There's nothing you specifically have to do for it other than to be aware it exists. Kind of plan as you're thinking about your first few days after your big hike that you may not sleep really amazingly the night be- the night right after. You're, you just may be too keyed up even though you're really, really tired. And that's normal and that's okay. Definitely make some allowances the next day. Maybe the next day you're going to go to bed really early. Maybe the next day you're gonna keep your work schedule a bit light so that you're not just sitting there feeling very irritated and brain foggy and nervous. I do wanna say, a couple words about sleep. Sleep is one of the most important things to your recovery. And I feel bad that I'm covering it last because really it should be one of the first things. It's right up there with nutrition as far as its importance and its impact. So what happens when you sleep is your body releases all the good hormones that help your muscles heal. Things like human growth hormone, testosterone, they're rebuilding the muscle damage. I mentioned that that delayed onset muscle soreness is caused by a little tear in your muscles, the, the hormones are actually repairing all of that while you sleep. And if you think about a night of sleep, your body actually goes through cycles, right? You probably, most people, go through about three cycles. And the last cycle at the end of the night, early morning, is the deepest. And that's actually when the most repair takes place. So the, one of the implications of that is in these days when you're really trying to recover, don't set an alarm. Allow yourself to wake up naturally. Let your body go through that full cycle, release all those hormones, do all that repair work, and then you'll wake up and you'll be so much more recovered than if you woke up to an alarm. This gets more important as you get older. You actually make less hormones. So if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and so on, definitely give yourself even more of an opportunity to sleep and be especially vigilant about sleeping until you wake up at the end of the sleep cycle. Other things that really help for CNS fatigue, for me, mind-body practices. This is a great time, whatever your practice is, to break it out, um, whether that's yoga, meditation. I am a huge fan of breath work right now. I think it's amazing. It's one of the things that I find to be so healing, not just for my body, but for my mind especially. So the day after your big workout, when you're just feeling a little bit off in your mind, definitely treat it to some mindfulness practice and just really let that be your escape and your healing. Another thing to keep in mind with with CNS fatigue is if you're with other people, you're all going to have it and it can cause interpersonal conflict. I definitely noticed this when I was on a group trip a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, why do I just feel so annoyed with these people? And why are we all kind of annoying each other? And (laughs) people are randomly like, getting mad about stupid stuff. It's because you're all tired and keyed up at the same time. So definitely give the people around you some grace if you're all maybe suffering from this CNS fatigue together. And especially give yourself some grace. Your brain is 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 kind of 
inflamed almost (laughs) at this point. And it's really hard to sometimes control your feelings whenever this is happening. You know, just give yourself some grace. If you do something crazy or stupid or yell at someone, you know, apologize, move on. You're not a bad person. It's just your brain doing its thing and the CNS fatigue, it will fade in a day or two and you will be back to normal in most cases. So there you go. All my best advice on recovery. So you can come home after your big hikes and get some things done around the house, not be laying on the couch. And the also the important thing about recovery is it makes you able to get back to training faster if you're going to continue training or this hike came in the middle of training. Once your glycogen stores are replenished, once you're properly hydrated, your CNS fatigue is gone, your delayed onset muscle soreness is gone, you're probably in good shape to get back to your next workout and keep building from there. You also might be what's called super compensated at that point if you've done it right, which means you're stronger than you were before the first hike. That usually takes a couple of days to happen, especially after a really big hike, but it will definitely happen. So so definitely recovery, something that's so important to pay attention to. Thank you, Wolf Meat, for this awesome question. I just feel like I have so much to say about this and I'm going to use all of this after my 50K on Saturday. So, so everybody happy hiking have a good weekend and i will catch you back here next week take care hey friend if you're enjoying the pod there are two simple and free ways you can show your support first of all please share this with a friend who might find it helpful and second please leave a review on itunes your support means the world to me thanks so much for tuning in